listening to the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. Over the summer, NASA announced its latest class of flight directors to oversee operations of the International Space Station, commercial crew, and Artemis missions to the moon. I wanted to know more about these new recruits and also how the job has evolved over the years, and I found the perfect person for that. Zeb Scoville has been a flight director at NASA for nearly a decade, and I had the chance to ask him about these very topics. The job of a flight director really is to tie together uh, all the operational elements of human spaceflight for NASA's missions. Uh, so that's from the, the pre-planning flight phases of working with the programs and the engineers and the hardware developers and making sure that we have an operational plan that can work. Uh, that's going to be executable, that's able to accomplish the mission objectives, keep the crew safe, and really you know, push the boundaries and, and explore our solar system and then and then put that into action and execute it uh, from the control room. You know, as a flight director, we are never uh, sort of an, an Uber flight controller. We are we are the lead of the team. We have some incredible, amazing people uh, that are working with us in the control room there. And it's really bringing together almost like the, the conductor of an orchestra bringing together all these amazing musicians and their instruments may be a thermal system or a power system or robotics or a spacesuit, uh, but it's really making that um, that whole plan and that team perform its best and to be able to accomplish the objectives that that our government, our agency has, has put out for us to do and tasked with flying the ISS or whether it's going to the moon in the upcoming Artemis missions or, or working with commercial companies and fostering uh, their development through the commercial crew program or even uh, destination, other destinations in Earth orbit. And obviously throughout the years, technological capabilities grow exponentially, uh, which means that your knowledge or just at least ground-based knowledge of those technological uh, achievements has to grow as well. Uh, what can you tell me about going through and being in a job where you kind of have to always be learning as well as the agency does itself? Yeah, Eric, you hit it on the head where um, the, the job of the flight director has evolved as the vehicles evolved, as the complexity of uh, the partnerships evolves, the, the rate of growth from, you know, the com computer technology materials, um, space environments, our understanding of those have evolved and, and the complexities of our propulsion systems and our navigation systems have all been updated. And so we have to, you know, be able to maintain um, the relevance and the sort of adaptability to be able to not just uh, absorb what what is what is out there, but actively seek it and integrate it and, and with the vehicles and make sure it has an operational plan. When you look back to the you know, early days of NASA with the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Apollo, Soyuz shuttle programs, the the vehicles that they were flying essentially one at a time, um, short duration missions. Um, at the complexity of the vehicle, I sort of would, might compare it to, you know, the computing power that power that we have in, a, in our cell phones is vastly uh, more than what what may have existed in some of those early capsules. And so, if you expand that analogy to the the breadth of what is on ISS now, um, to what is in in the SpaceX or the Boeing uh, commercial crew vehicles. Uh, and then even what, what we're going to be building to Artemis, that has been something that we that within any one of those vehicles, we've had to learn, learn and adapt to those. But also the sheer number of missions and the number of partners we're working with between you know, the commercial entities I mentioned, the international partners, all of them bring their own um, goals and objectives and capabilities. Got to be able to tie those all together. And so essentially we're going from maybe, uh, you know, bringing back the, the musical analogy, going from a quartet to now a full 
wonderful uh, orchestra that, that we've got to tie together. And NASA has recently selected some new blood into the team of flight directors at the agency. What can you tell me about the change in that baseline of knowledge that new flight directors have to have now in order just to you know, get into the door? I am I'm super excited about uh, the class of flight directors that we recently hired. We took seven individuals. Um, some of them uh, came from within the, the NASA flight operations branches, but we also really wanted to cast a wider net because we recognize that there is an enormous amount of, of talent in, in the industry out there that we're able to then uh, utilize and, and broaden our breadth of knowledge and our sphere of, of, of capabilities by bringing those people online. So there was uh, one woman we brought on from, from Virgin Orbit, another who worked out at JPL on the Mars rovers. Uh, as we look towards towards uh, surface operations on the moon, obviously there's there's analogies and things we can learn from from their experiences there. Um, but but really, it's it's opening the aperture on on the pipeline of what it takes to to come in the door. Um, some of the experiences we need um, may not be necessarily um, we don't need them to be entirely. Uh, specific to a vehicle that NASA is flying right now. Someone doesn't need to be a flight controller um, at NASA working in Johnson Space Center as the only path to get to be a flight director. Uh, really, the capabilities that we're looking for are people that are able to uh, quickly make decisions, be able to weigh risks and benefits and mission objectives, and be able to, under immense pressure, um, sometimes being able to to keep their cool and lead a team through those times because uh, absolutely that you could find yourselves you know as we say suddenly and and unexpectedly faced with with a situation where your actions have the ultimate consequences you know if you look at at firefighters in New York or if you look at first responders and how they're able to adapt from uh, 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 what could be a quiet day to all of a sudden a call comes in or in our case an alarm goes off uh, with a vehicle and, and you may have ninety seconds to to respond uh, and what you do can save the day. And so, so people who are able to get that kind of experience, it, like I said, it, it, it exists through many forums and, um, and experiences out, out in, uh, out in industry and out in other government agencies. And, you know, certainly we want, we want aerospace uh, background that, that absolutely helps. Um, and, you know, management experience exposure to programmatics, but also on the engineering side and being able to tie together, you know, the operational aspects, the programmatic aspects, the, the spaceflight aspects of it, and 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 uh, we're all, we're certainly looking for for people like that who can who can fill the flight director class, and and we absolutely found that with the diversity in this class, and we're super excited. They're they're getting through their training now. They've got um, a couple more months before they'll be sitting console and flying the International Space Station. Yeah, let's talk about the hardest piece of technology you work with, and that's humans. <laughs> uh, with uh, NASA having such a diverse background of whether it's, well, diverse backgrounds or diverse um, areas of expertise, um, how do you kind of go between all of that and make sure you weigh uh, everybody's opinions equally and fairly and, and you know, represent yourself in a manner that uh, people feel like, you know, you're, you're treating everybody fairly? So the way to, you know, how do you get a force multiplier from your team? How do you, how do you able to get the best outcome from a decision that a team uh, has to make? And I think that, you know, if you go back to, you know, sort of leadership 101, uh, it, it's being able to not shut down ideas, to be able to get everyone to be able to, to present their ideas and to be heard and to be able to offer um, new, new ways to solve problems. At some point, there is also a place where, 
where you have to cut down the debate and be able to make a decision. Um, and so, you know, as you go through and lead teams, um, being able to to ensure that that you're not a, as a flight director always coming in as the smartest people in the room, but have have that open mind to find uh, the new perspective out there that may change the way you're thinking about. It so you're, you can then come up with the optimal uh, mission solution. Um, and if you think if you add in the sort of cultural differences and challenges between you know working NASA to SpaceX or NASA with Northrop Grumman or with Axiom and, and all these different companies out there or you tie in the Japanese, the Europeans, Canadians, so forth, um, all of them will have different different values and different ways of solving problems. And so so what it takes and how those interactions uh, come into play really um, is important for those, those sort of interpersonal communication skills to be able to, to get the best out of your partners. Um, so we can work collaboratively to uh, to fly to the moon, to fly to Mars. That's where we're going. Yeah, I'm curious on those commercial relationships that you have and, uh, well, relationships you have with people from the commercial side of things now, and that's increasing ever more, and that's been going up and up throughout your career, how that balances out and how, you know, their their views are taken when you're, you know, making a decision in the in the flight room. Eric, the, uh, I, I think one word sort of sums it up, um, and that's trust. And if you don't have it, the ability to have a compromise solution that's going to work for, for all the partnership isn't going to work. And, and when we first walked into relationships through the contract mechanisms with some, of the, some companies and some different partners, uh, that trust wasn't there and had to be built. And so in those initial phases, what it took to be able to know that people had uh, the best interests in mind for the mission or what the capabilities may be or trusted people's uh, technical uh, uh, prowess or solution sets, uh, that, w- that wasn't a given. And so very much in, in the beginning uh, of, of working with any partners, it, it has to be built up. And, and the way I would do that, the way I, I uh, encourage flight directors to think about the problem is not necessarily... What is the best solution for NASA? That isn't the question we need to ask. But really, what is the best solution for human spaceflight? Um, if that is the guiding principle, in some cases, I, I would find myself taking the side of, of a commercial partner uh, to be able to hear what they're saying, because their solution may be better than what than, than the one that NASA came up with. In which case, you know, if, if you answer that question, that, that the solution in, in this uh, point in time is best for human space plan is coming from them. Be open to that and listen to it and make it work. Um, sometimes it goes the other way. And sometimes, you know, you have to be able to encourage, encourage people to listen, be able to back up your, your ideas with the rationale and, and let the technical truth be the driver. Um, but, but all of that comes back to trust. And as we look through, I've worked several missions with, with partners through the commercial uh, crew program um, and with ISS and I look at that at some of those challenges and how how that trust developed over time. And I look forward to to some of the relationships we have with some of the same partners going going to the moon through the Artemis program. And that because that trust is already there, we're able to make leaps and bounds in terms of solving the technical problem set, rather than just trying to really worry too much about the interpersonal stuff because that relationship is already there. And so, like so many things in life, you know, the the value placed in 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 the inter, interpersonal relationships really will pay dividends in, in how you trust people, how you're able to find and and know that people have everyone's best purpose and motives uh, at, at heart when we're making decisions. 
You mentioned that gaining experience for this new class of flight directors is so important. I'm just curious about what aspect uh, simulations play in the training now uh, as a uh, space camp graduate myself. Um, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm just I'm wondering, uh, you know, if that's still an integral part in uh, how you bring these people up to lead a flight room. Simulations play a huge part in our training. We um, sort of have different phases of the training once someone's a flight director. Uh, in many cases, when if they've come from within sides for the, the NASA and flight operations ecosystem, they may have some individual systems knowledge, um, but very unlikely that they have sort of the breadth of knowledge across all the all the systems on a vehicle. Um, and so, so for those people, or, or for those coming from from the outside industry coming in, there is a a several month period of just cramming the books with just digesting the technical data on, and this is going to classes to understand thermal systems and power systems and communication systems and data architectures and ground systems and and how all these things fit together. But then, absolutely right, you have to sort of put that knowledge to use through the simulation uh, that we have. And, and so right down the hall from the room where we have the actual control center that's flying the space station, we have another one that looks very much like it um, that we'll use for simulations. We've got a whole team of, of trainers that that just spend their days trying to come up with the what-if scenarios and how to break things in a way that will really stress the team and, and stress their ability to work together, to communicate, to solve problems. And at the same time, stressing their their knowledge of how the systems work and the procedures and the flare rules and so forth. So, so there will be several several months of of simulations that they'll go through as sort of sort of the the final segment of training before they're flying the actual vehicle, and even once they're certified, myself I'm still doing simulations now. I've been a flight director since 2014, and that's something that we really encourage and require all the flight directors to do is continue going through the simulations, continue to keep their their knowledge sharp um, on on how to operate uh, those systems, and so they play a huge role in our ability to do that. And if you look across so many of the of the different industries and and fields of expertise whether it's you know emergency room hospital or whether it's you know special operations forces they're all using simulations and there's a lot of commonality with with how we use those um, to be able to to practice those skills one thing that that i would encourage your listeners to be aware of is that is that in many cases the perception of who a flight director is um, and where they come from, what their backgrounds are, is, is evolving over time, right? So the, the old pictures of during the Mercury days and, and Gemini and Apollo days of the, um, of the you know, flight director with the buzz cut, um, you know, in the control center, that's evolving. It, it's, um, you know, it's women, it's men, it's, it's sort of people of all different backgrounds um, that, are, that are really flying the space station. You know, we're looking for, for the character and the ability to solve problems the ability to interact with people and lead teams and, you know, any sort of, you know, preconceived notion of what a flight director is outside of that uh, may not be accurate. Um, so I really look forward to seeing how our office evolves over time, how we're able to utilize the best from um, people in academia to come and support our programs, whether it's even as a, as a flight controller or as an engineer or as a safety person or a programmatics person. Like there's so much, this, this is the most exciting time for NASA in the, in the 20 years plus years that I've been working here. The amount of missions and the, and the excitement for what we're going to do is, is mind boggling. It is the best time, you know, we're, we're about to launch uh, the most powerful rocket that humanity has ever made you know, to go circle around the moon with the Artemis one mission. And and that's just the beginning of, of missions that are going to fly crews later on and then, then land them on the surface. And we're not going there to, you know, do the Apollo, 
know, smoke and fire out of an engine, put, you know, boots there, get some rocks, uh, plant a flag, come back. And after a few missions, it, it's done. The capability that we're going to find on the moon is really going to unlock our ability to explore the solar system, whether it's it's science that we're able to get on the far side of the moon that's in, that's in a radio shadow from, from the earth, or whether it's uh, uh, polar volatiles that exist in these permanently shadowed regions on the South Pole of the Moon, which we can turn you know, the ice there into rocket fuel, into drinking water, into breathing oxygen, all these things we're able to get. It, it's entirely new resource that and capability that we're gonna find with our with our lunar missions that is is um, so much above and beyond what we what we learned during the Apollo ages. Zeb Scoville is a flight director at NASA. Once again, you can find the rest of this interview on our website at federalnewsnetwork.com. For our final interview of the episode, I ask you one question and one question only. What do fruit flies and humans have in common? More than you realize, this is the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. 